0: Hi, welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Petowitz Group. Today as our guest, we have the Chief Amazement Officer, Shep Hyken, who uh, runs Shepherd Promotions. Shep, welcome to the program.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, you are absolutely a legend, uh, multiple books, expert in customer experience. Um, I'm curious, why, why is it so hard to get a good customer experience anymore? Uh, it just seems like everywhere we go, it's that like no one can seem to get
1: it right. I- I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think there is some great, I know a lot of our people listening today are B2B, but uh, we do a lot of research. And here's what, and every year I make this prediction uh, that the customer's smarter than they were last year. And the reason is, is there's companies like Amazon and uh, Apple and any of the other iconic brands, Chick-fil-A and the fast food quick serve industry anyway all of these companies have created great experiences and customers like them and they start to expect them from every other company they do business with as a result some of the companies can or can't match that benchmark or that bar that has been you know steadily been raised as these companies just keep getting better and better at it and even though these companies are giving a pretty good level of service it doesn't compare to what these customers want in the b2b world Everybody is a consumer and they are comparing their experiences to consumer experiences, whether they want to or not. It's hard to not get into that. I was working with a healthcare organization and one of their, we were doing an exercise that we talk about what companies we love to do business with. And I realize healthcare is selling to a patient, but it's interesting uh, what I'm about to share with you has to do with one of their vendors. Uh, an imaging piece of imaging equipment over a half of a million dollars. So, you know, that's expensive. Okay. Was to be delivered at a certain time. So when, uh, we were talking about the companies we love doing business with, somebody says, I like Amazon. Why do you like Amazon? Well, I just feel like I, I have control of the situation. I know what's Mm -hmm. happening. The moment I place the order, I get an email. Then they tell me it's shipping and they give me the tracking info. And then they let me know when it arrives. And if there's a problem, they let me know there's a problem. They tell me what, you know, I, I just know everything. I feel good about it. And this executive said to me, well, we're not Amazon. And um, and I said, you're not. But that's what your patients are expecting. And then he said, you know, I kind of get it because we had this huge X-ray machine that was supposed to be delivered to our healthcare, care or hospital. And. Uh, They delivered it two weeks early. We had to build the room out to accommodate this piece of equipment, and all they had to do is email me. And then the guy said, you know, you're right. Even when I order, like, Kleenex from Amazon or toilet paper, they let me know it's on its way. He compared that half a million dollar piece of equipment being sold to his hospital to toilet paper being sold at Amazon. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, and it, that's true. And look, there are certainly good examples out there, uh, but I don't know. I still find them few and far between. And, and with a lot of businesses, one, one of the things that always I found curious in a lot of ways, businesses have more information about their customers than C companies do, because you have accounting systems, uh, ERP and CRM, marketing, and you're getting all these different touch points, but get all the data siloed. I think we have the opportunity if we can get it all together to serve a customer better, but it still seems disjointed. It's, st- it's still coming across as one department versus one company serving the customer. What, you know, um, famous stories about Amazon, right? Jeff Bezos has the empty chair and, and all those kinds of things. But practically speaking, when you look at B2B companies, what are some steps you, they, they need to take to start becoming more customer centric?
1: So, first of all, it all starts with the culture and in a B2B world, let's start there and, and there's other things we can talk about. I have a six step process that we put our clients through. Uh, the first is I'll go through them real quickly. The first is they have to define what their service vision is. It needs to be one sentence or less. Oftentimes it's baked into their uh, mission statements and value statements and whatever else other statements they have it is in the middle but it needs to be pulled out or it needs to be created separately and then again it needs to be one sentence long a great example is the ritz Carlton, nine words we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen it's very easy for everybody to know remember understand and then they create training that drives that vision all right so number one is create the vision number two communicate it again and again and by the way This is not a one-time thing. It's not a theme for the year. It's for good. So when you decide what this vision is going to be, it sits right next to your bigger value statements and mission statements and your pillars or whatever you call them, right? So communicate it again and again so everybody remembers it and is reminded. Number three, train everybody to it. Even people behind the scenes don't realize they impact the experience either by dealing, if they're not directly with the customer, they're dealing with somebody that supports the customer or... They are part of the process, and if it breaks down, it's going to impact that top, to what I call the touch point, at some at some level where the customer will say, "Hey, what happened here?" Uh, so that's three training. Number four is leadership, management, supervisors, whoever is you know has a team working with them or for them, they have to step up and be role models and exhibit the behaviors that you want shared and number five what's number five number five is defend the culture if somebody is out of alignment the boss has to say we got to get you back into alignment by the way the buck stops at the top you know like uh um the president uh who was the president that said the buck stops here uh not eisenhower um truman Truman. yeah uh from st louis or not st louis from independence missouri actually anyway i digress uh So leadership must defend the culture or a boss of any kind if they see a person or maybe it's a department or if it's a huge company, it's people that are out of alignment. Maybe it's a region. All right. And finally, number six, if it's all working, celebrate it. So define it, communicate it, train everybody. Uh, Set an example if you're a leader or a boss. Number five is defend the culture. Number six is celebrate it when it's working. and Let people know they're doing a great job. I I did that that about as fast as I've ever done that.
0: No, that's good. And, and uh, hey, you can recall, it's perfect. So one thing I noticed, you did not, so you talked a lot about process and management and culture. You did not mention technology. I, we see so many companies rushing to implement some piece of technology to improve something, to scale, but yet they don't do many of the things you just said.
1: Well, why do you think that is? Do, do they view technology as a panacea? Uh, so here's the thing about technology, love it. And if you look at uh, what's happened since the beginning of all time customer service, somebody has a problem or a question they need it answered. They want the problem resolved, or the complaint, you know, figured out and they want to be happy. And by the way, 100 years from now, it's the same thing. So what's really changed is how we go about making that customer happy or getting that customer the information they want. It used to be the only way to do it was on a phone then there was email then there's text now there's chats now there's messaging now there's social channels there's apps that you can go on there there's so many different ways artificial intelligence um could you know with chat bots, uh tutorials on a website with video so many different ways to get customers their answers the problem with technology is not the problem technology isn't the problem it's the company that decides to implement too much technology, distancing themselves from their customers. And therefore, uh, they put up this wall. They don't intentionally do it. Oftentimes they become enamored with the technology or they see it as a way, oh, if we put this out there, we won't get so many calls and we can get rid of some of our customer support people. No, that's not what you wanna do. Technology should aid and assist. That's the way it's gonna work for the next three to five years at least. I do not see artificial intelligence killing the customer support agent. Just like video did not kill the radio star, right?
0: <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I do think I see a lot of businesses viewing customer service as a function to outsource or to to move offshore because it's all about the efficiency. That's about I don't mind that.
1: That doesn't bother me at all. However, if the experience is poor. You can blame it on the offshoring, but I've worked with plenty of customer service reps, Work with plenty of companies that use offshore, independent, third-party BPOs, whatever you want to call them, and they do a magnificent job. Here's why. They will not let anybody on the phone talk to a customer unless they've been properly trained and, for lack of a better term, I'll use the word certified. They have to go through the training. They have to hit a certain level, and only then will these companies allow these people to step in. And you know what? They pay a little bit more for it if they are going offshore a little bit more might mean 50 cents an hour more okay which you know by the way that's a lot of money when you start to add it all up but still they recognize the value so i think the biggest problem that companies have is they become enamored with technology and they distance themselves and uh, as far as using offshore help i'm all for it if it's the right help for the right reasons and they're good uh sure there's plenty of lower end support, not just offshore, but here in the U.S. And by the way, if you've got a, if you are so proud of the fact that you've got a contact center with all U.S. employees, are those U.S. employees any good? Are you properly training them? Are you hiring the right people? What's your turnover and churn? Because that's an indication that you have a bad culture and a bad system in place. And what you want to do is be working with, uh, if you are in the position to hire people, I'll give you a, I mean, I realize it's a little bit dated. I did this interview about seven, eight years ago with a guy named Jim Bush. He was the senior VP worldwide of customer service for American Express. Wonderfully generous man with his time and his insights and he said look we are going to pay our people well we're not going to measure them on how many calls they take an hour we're going to measure them on how happy our customers are at the end of the call Now, that doesn't mean they keep them on the phone for hours like the legendary Zappos call that somebody was on a you know a support call for nine hours but you know by the way that whole nine hours there was probably about five to seven minutes of support and then about nine hours or eight hours and forty-five minutes of schmoozing and really <laughs> making that customer love Zappos. And and that's by the way what Tony Shea wanted. He wanted these legendary examples. But we don't necessarily need to do that, but we do need to make sure that when we're finished with the conversation, that customer is happy with the results and the experience and everything that happened. And then Jim Bush went on to say that, you know, we can hire lots of people with call center background, you know, and this is this is great. They're knowledgeable about how to work the computers. And if you've ever been into a support center, there's these, my, I don't know how they do it. They're, I, I get a headache watching how fast they, it's like unbelievable. They're so amazing uh, the way they work. But he said, if he had a choice between hiring someone with that experience or hiring somebody who worked at a hotel at the front desk, who has the hospitality mentality, he would rather take that hospitality mentality and teach them how to, around the screens and the different programs that they have uh, wow that's a really interesting way of looking at it because that's really what you need you need the person who wants to please people who wants to take care who wants to solve problems by the way some people get burnt out on it while others just they love the controversy and turning somebody around and that's what See, makes that them aspect
0: but i say i think that's more than a call center i think today's marketing organizations should be hiring Today's sales organizations should be hiring for that key ingredient, right? You want people that are not just good at what they do. You want them to be passionate about customer service, about yeah. wanting to care about the customer, because that's the missing ingredient. Because some of these things you could teach a process, you could teach someone how to use a tool, but you can't teach attitude. You can't teach values. You you know,
1: so you either are inherently wired that way or not. So it's a technical side and a soft side. Uh, you can hire a, a, a server at a restaurant, and if they have a bad attitude, no matter how efficient they are at bringing the food out and clearing the table, it's, it's you know, you, customers going to question whether they want to come back. If you have somebody that's never served before, but they have this great go-to attitude to take care of it, Just like I was saying before, you can teach them what side they're supposed to pick up the dishes from and how to properly set it down. That's the technical side of service. Uh, It's really easy to do technical. It's very difficult to get that right attitude. One of the exercises we do that's a lot of fun, and if you think about it, whether it's a sales organization, a marketing organization, or a service department within the organization, you should ask, what? are the traits of somebody that's great at customer service, great at giving that uh, experience. And as they, and just like, let's come up with words and people will say, you know, problem solver. Um, They'll say uh, attitude, sense of humor, and uh, all these words, and you'll probably get 20, 30 of them. Do you know that 80 to 90% of those are attitudes, not skills. And when you start to separate, there's very few skills needed to deliver the service experience and many of the skills can be taught. But if you can get somebody with those other attitudes when you hire them, you are in a position to win. And again, marketing. I know a lot of people on on listening are marketing people. My friend, Tom Baldwin, who's currently the CEO of Benihana's The Restaurant Chain, he was the CEO of Morton's before that, which is where we first met. And he said the best marketing, the marketing department for Morton's was the servers and everybody else in the front line, the bus people, uh, the host, because those are the people that make sure that nobody walks out unhappy. And he said, great service is mistakes handled well, because when you go to Morton's and you spend a lot of money for a stake, you expect it to be right. If there's a mistake and it's handled well, you restore the confidence.
0: No, that's also. I mean, I think most of us have grace, understanding. We don't. I don't think we expect any company to be perfect. Uh, but we just expect them to handle the mistakes and issues perfectly, or at least close to it. Uh, and I know when we work with sales organizations, you know, we talk. There's like really three parts to being a good salesperson. The first part is the hustle factor. Right, you're out, you're you're meeting your clients, you're talking to people, you're researching, you're doing those kinds of things. The second part is asking questions, qualifying for need, understanding whether or not there's a fit with the company. And the third part, of course, is managing the sales cycle mechanics. You know, uh, contracts and all those other things. Those last two parts, those could be taught. You can't teach the first part. You can't, yep. can't teach someone to, if you don't wanna learn about your customers, if you don't wanna do the research, if you don't wanna put the effort in, it, it doesn't matter if we teach you the second two parts, right, because you're not gonna be successful. So you have to truly love what you do and you have to want to love the customer to be successful at being customer service oriented.
1: Yep, and if you're not, it's gonna show through. And you know, we talked a little bit about culture at the beginning. Uh, what's happening on the inside of an organization, And that's every employee not just people on the front line but what's happening inside is going to be felt on the outside by the customer every time well and and
0: there's a lot of talk about authenticity in in today's modern age right being authentic um and and people i think can sense when you're not
1: oh Um, yeah i just wrote an article um and i i always do a cartoon every week by the way you know you mentioned the empty chair at amazon and and i interviewed uh bill price is his name i'm looking over at his book right now Uh, and he was the first um, uh, vp of customer service at amazon that was ever hired and i asked him is it true about the empty chair he said oh yeah i was there at the first meeting they did that so uh, my cartoon is an open door Okay, and it's like, why is the door open? In case the customer wants to come in, and and then somebody says they can't come in the building. Building security is not going to let them in. Well, we just pretend they might come, but uh, the, the, so, uh, but to, to the point, um, gosh, I was going there. Uh, there is a cartoon that's coming up next week that I wrote. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank on what it is. Um, lost my train of thought. That happens. I saw a squirrel. Is that what? Is a squirrel went by? Oh, That's it. Right. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Uh, But yeah, I I think it's important to keep that healthy mindset
0: because as managers, we get focused on solving problems, right? We we need to get the campaign out. We need to fix a personnel issue, a technology issue. We have to pay the parking lot, whatever that is, Um, and we get caught up in putting out the fires. And it's so easy to get caught up in the job that we forget that the job is to take care of the customer. Whether we sell products or we sell services, but we don't have a business without the customer. So right. It, so
1: year, years ago, Ted Levitt, senior professor at Harvard Business School, since passed away, wrote a book, Marketing Imagination. And there's this is really important. The function of a business. If I were to walk out on the street and ask what the function of a business is, what do you think 90 percent of the people, maybe 99 percent of the people would say? Make money. Exactly. Yep. He said that's a goal. The function is to get and keep your customers acquisition and maintenance and i believe in the acquiring mode today you have to acquire with a level of service that's not like customer service reactive to problems service is not a department it's a philosophy so the way we treat people on the way into doing business with them is then hopefully what they expect and experience once they choose to do business with us and it doesn't matter if it's b2b b2c b to c it makes no difference so once they're there you acquire them now you must maintain them and it's not just about making sure that things are perfect it's engaging them today's customer more than ever wants to be engaged whether they know i mean some people say please don't ever email me i will call you but um you know, TikTok and Instagram, uh, there's all these feeds, right? And mm-hmm. the big opportunity in business today is to create personalized. I mean, actually I'll even say it's not even personalized. It's personal to the individual customer. You give them a feed of what they're interested and in, artificial intelligence can understand the customer and make sure the right content that only applies to them. So for example, I may have a medical situation and there might be three versions of this, but because, uh, and the and and my hospital or healthcare system or insurance company is gonna feed me information about the general uh, situation I'm in. And then when they understand based on what I'm buying, uh, prescriptions, what type of problem I have, they start to narrow it down. So it's really me. It's really just me they're talking to. I love that, and this is what the opportunity in marketing is today. You market with a personalized experience, and I'll put it all under the umbrella of customer experience because that's really what it is. Um, A number of years ago, I said, customer experience is marketing. I wasn't the first one to say it, but there were 100 people that said it about the same time. It is all marketing.
0: Well, um, given that so many of us have, a lot of our business comes from existing clients, and and providing ongoing service communication is important but why do you think marketing and sales spend so much time on getting new customers and so little time on communicating and marketing to its existing customers
1: once again uh, the function of the business is to acquire and maintain the maintenance of that customer is crucial there's no doubt there's every stat and it doesn't matter whether it says it's three times five times or 25 times more expensive to acquire than it is to maintain So why don't we do what we need to do to get people in the door, and if we see the churn happening, we need to understand why the churn is there, where is the breakdown, and the best way to do that is through surveying the customer the right way. We can spend a whole time talking about surveys, uh, but to understand the touch points that the customers have, journey map the heck out of your business. Every uh, type of interaction that the customer is going to have with you, there needs to be a journey map so you can understand where all the touch points are and what happens behind the scenes that drive those touch points. Where is the pop uh, the possibility for failure and at the top line where the customer is interacting with your company and it could be. Through the sales process, through a follow up, whatever, a repeat customer, where can we improve those touch points? And that's what the best companies do. They know exactly where the hiccups can come from and they do what they can to mitigate, if not eliminate them.
0: all well said. Well, Shep, it's easy to see why you're so successful, why so many people read your books, why oh, you're you. so after. Uh, I just have uh, fun.
1: I love this. I'm so passionate about it. You can tell. I absolutely can tell. And, and I love that. And I think passion passion
0: is what we all need a little bit more of, right? But th- thank you so much for being on the program, sharing your insights,
1: Shep Hike, and everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff.